and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm your host, Barbara Fisher, and tonight I am happy to welcome a new guest, Vincent Treewell. He is a fledgling podcaster, and he's also an author. He's a very interesting person who contacted me with some fascinating experiences. How are you doing tonight? Oh, great. Happy to be here, Barbara. Excellent. Well, start wherever you want to. Just jump right in. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, it's funny that you would kind of think of me as an experiencer because I've always considered myself a non-experiencer, like almost like kind of blind and deaf. I don't see stuff. I don't hear stuff. I don't experience stuff. But then when I started going over things in my mind and making a few notes and I am now 50, turned 51 very soon. And it kind of totaled up to a lot of things that maybe I have had a few experiences. And Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people who don't see themselves, like I'm nobody's psychic. I don't have those kind of experiences, except when I do. And I notice that if I go back over my life, I've actually had quite a few and just some things that, I found interesting and, you know, kind of thought other people might find possibly interesting. Excellent. You know, I I wanted, before you start, I wanted to just say one of the things Josh Kutchin says is he thinks that everybody experiences stuff, but most people don't notice it or remember it or catch hold of it. And so, you know, he he calls himself a non-experiencer as well. Um, and, and he, he says, but you know, maybe I am experiencing things and I'm just not recording it. I think that's very true. I notice a lot of stuff that if I didn't make a conscious effort to either write it down or discuss it or, you know, talk it to death with other people, it would kind of flit away from my memory Mm -hmm. and, you know, then it'd be gone. Um, also, when I was younger, especially in my childhood, I was absolutely so scared of this stuff that I didn't want to see anything. I, right. I actively, strongly did not want to see or hear or anything, anything, you know. And that probably puts up some barriers that, mm-hmm. you know, it could have been right in front of me and my mind would have helped me not see it. Right. Right. I think, and I'm sure that I'm not alone in that. No, I'm absolutely sure you're not. So, yes, um, I'm the stuff that I do have is kind of all over the place. I thought maybe chronologically would just be the best way to start with it. Excellent. Go for it. Okay. Um, I don't have any memories before kindergarten, so I don't. Some people, and I, I don't doubt it at all, um, have memories from one, two, three years old. I don't remember anything until I'm in kindergarten. But at that age, at like five, I had certain obsessions that were traceable in my mind, current, like as adult me, only to past lives. Um, 
I was this little kid who was just obsessed with the military, which would make some sense if I lived in a military town or if I came from a military family Mm -hmm. or if anybody in my immediate family was a veteran or anything like that. But no, none of those things were the case. Like I had no connection to the military unless you go back a couple generations. Um, But I was just a nut about it. And Mm. that was the mid seventies where military wasn't super popular. And, you know, I was the only kid who's sweating my mom and my grandmother to make me a soldier suit. And Oh yeah. (laughs) It wasn't like a cool thing then, but I, I insisted on it. And then I wore it to school (laughs) and, you know, I was just nuts about that. And then I'd sweat my parents to get me, get me patches, real patches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my father would go to gun shows and stuff. So once in a while, he'd pick me up an actual, you'd get him for like a buck, um, army patch. And so I had this, both a soldier suit and a sailor suit with real patches on them. Oh, and wow. I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And I remember being... I can't have been older than seven and I was probably just six, but I hectored my mother enough that finally she just broke down and said, fine, I'll take you to the Marine recruiting station, <laughs> which was <laughs> they were surprised to see a six year old boy who was ready to enlist. But, mm-hmm. um, and they gave me some pens and stickers and what have you. And they're just kind of like, well, let's, that's cool. See you in 12 years, kid. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a real thing that um, was a big part of my life. And I like collected whatever military stuff I could get. And, and it wasn't related to any particular TV show or movie or comic book or anything really in my little world. But it, it, it kind of came with me. Right. And that never went away. It only intensified. Oh. And it also had anomalous memories. Memories of things that do not make sense for a child that age to have memories of. Right. Two things that were important to me as a very young boy. Um one was a, terri- a terrifying fear of water flooding in and filling up wherever I was. I'd always take a bath and not a shower because just the, the shower water reminded me of ocean water coming in and filling something up. Ooh. And with a, it just terrified me, absolutely terrified me. And you know, that's not usually a terrifying experience, you know, and equally strange considering that I grew up in, not in the Driftless area, but in Fox Valley area of Wisconsin uh, in the seventies. I'm a child in the seventies and that area was 99% white. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't know anybody who wasn't white. But I had these strange memories of 
my black mom, who in my mind wasn't really my mom mom, but filled a role like my mom. And I kept that pretty quiet, Mm -hmm. but it was a very real thing for me from a very young age that there was some older black lady who took care of me and was like my mom. Mm -hmm. And I was, I mean, I'm in the single digits. I'm in like six, seven, eight years old remembering these things. Mm -hmm. I would have no historical context for any, anything like that. Um, the, the, thing that really rang that true was the movie The Help. And there's a fairly brief scene in there where now I'm blanking on the actress's name, but she has to leave. And the white child that she's been taking care of is distraught and is crying for her. And bing, that went on like a light bulb. Yes, like that. That's what I'm talking about. And that was adult me, but remembering child me, yeah, that's what it was like. And that was just such an anomalous memory. That wouldn't, there wasn't even like a a friend of the family or a neighbor or anybody who that would be. It it wasn't like that. No. Yeah. I, I, I was wondering if maybe you had had a babysitter. Or no. there was a nurse at the hospital, but that, I mean, that would have been at birth. So that, yeah. you, nobody, well, nobody. Okay, I'm not going to say nobody remembers that, but very uh, few people remember that. And I certainly do not know that absolutely, as far as I'm oh. concerned, 100% that comes from a previous life. I'm going to follow up on that because the previous life thing continues um, on and on. But, um, to kind of stick chronologically at seven, I had the first and really almost the only actual thing that I saw. Mm -hmm. I saw something with my eyes and experienced it, you know, visually. And that was kind of a, a weird, unique experience. I woke up, in my own bed, in my own room. And in my dreams, I'm almost never where I'm actually physically at. Mm-hmm. I don't dream stuff that is like true to life like that. Right. I, if I'm in my bed, it's because I'm actually in my bed. Right. Um, especially, you know, as, as a child and everything. And I, I wake up and there's this lady in my room. And I, she's not scary and she's not like beautiful. She's just a regular person. I don't know who she is. Okay. But the important part is she's levitating about three feet off the ground. Well, that'll get your attention. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And she's in like the kind of basic yoga position. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's wearing, like, workout clothes. Like, I cannot recall exactly, but roughly what you'd wear to do aerobics. Right. In 
1978. Right. So, and she's just a normal person, but she's floating about three feet off the ground and she's looking at me. And there's a moment where it's like, she realizes that I can see her. And then she breaks out of the lotus position. I think it's called Mm -hmm. and just walks straight I was through the wall, but there was a, there's a wardrobe there and mm-hmm. she would just walks straight through it and she's gone. Wow. And, and I never see her again. I was not like haunted by her at all. I didn't find it a terrifying experience. I found it just kind of an odd experience. Mm-hmm. And it was years later, I was reading about transcendental meditation and astral travel. And I, I believe that somebody was doing that and ended up in the wrong place mm-hmm. and just kind of wandered into my room. You know? Yeah, that's and, what I was thinking. You know, and said, oh, well, I don't want to freak this kid out, so I better leave. And yeah. that's what she, I never saw her again. I never had any explanation that would, you know, she didn't tie into anything else. Just was there that one time and then, then she was gone. And so that happened, and I've kept that in my mind for the last 40-some years. And I, the more people talk about out-of-body experiences and intentional out-of-body travel, the more I think that, yeah, that's, that's, saw somebody doing that. Right. And it's just kind of one of those, like, I don't know, paranormal accidents that, you know, didn't have any great meaning it just kind of happened you know it just yeah yeah now did you ever tell anybody about her oh yes i i told my mother who told me i was dreaming yeah. and you know that was pretty much it i knew that no nobody's really going to believe that the only other person i ever other than my wife that i recall telling about it immediately dismissed it as well you're probably having a dream about i dream of genie <laughs> with Barbara Eden. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, it wasn't like that at all. It was just a regular person. It wasn't, no. She didn't it, have the pink clothes with the no, veil. And no, the not, no. It was nothing like that. It was, it, was, it was such a mundane experience. If I, mm-hmm. you know, if this person walked past me at the supermarket, wouldn't have noticed, you know. Mm-hmm. But levitating three feet off the ground, you notice that. <laughs> in yeah. your house, in the middle yeah. of the, you know, it wasn't even the middle of the night. It was like, early, early morning. So I was awake. I could see her. I could see everything. And she looked totally normal and just walked through the wall and was gone. So yeah, the, there was that. <laughs> um, the next thing that is in my notes here, because I wanted to kind of keep it kind of coherent. Um, in Oshkosh, in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, every year they have the Experimental Aircraft Association meeting. And it's a worldwide convention for people that build their own planes and other and planes, helicopters, ultralights, aircraft. And that's a pretty fascinating organization because you have people flying there in things they built in their garage. Wow. Which is a level of confidence I will never have. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about Princess Leia. You came in that? 
And some of the things people fly around there in are ultralights that have a couple of uh, chainsaw engines keeping oh. them up. Uh, oh. Yes, oh, it's, no. it's real experimental, okay? Oh, no. Some of them are much larger, you know, the Piper Cubs and stuff, but they have, you know, they have all sorts of things there. It's a it's a kind of a big deal for for a town of that size, and the B one bomber's been there, the Goodyear blimp's been there, and one of the things they do, they have a lot of aerial uh, veterans who have something called the Warbirds, where they've restored vintage military planes that were actually, you know, used. Mm-hmm. And they reenact air battles. Oh my god, that's awesome! It, it is. It's incredible. If, if anybody ever gets a chance to see that, it's worth seeing. And they'll actually like have the machine guns loaded with blanks, and they'll be dogfighting in the air over you. And it's wow. it's really quite impressive. So anyway, I'm there at the age of twelve, and I went there with my father and my grandfather, and one of the things that we're seeing is they're going to have a historical reenactment of a World War II battle. And these two veterans who were in the battle, who were actually there, are on stage to, to narrate it. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, that's a, that's a pretty interesting um, thing to see. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing it and, you know, just kind of watching what's going on. And then I had what can only be described as a past life flashback. I freaked out hard. And I absolutely, like, was irate. I was so angry that it was so unfair that these two guys got to narrate it. And I was there too, and I did not get to narrate it. But I'm a 12-year-old boy. Right. But the past life me, like, emotionally came to the fore and was like, this, I deserve to be there. And I was really mad. And I'm trying to conceal this because nobody's going to listen to this kid who's in, like, seventh grade say that I deserve to be narrating it too. But that's exactly how I felt. And it really bothered me. And intensely. And I mean, that came out of nowhere. You know, that doesn't make any sense unless you accept that I had lived before and, you know, been in World War II, which is, you know, completely unprovable. And I don't right. have any of the kind of, usually that only comes with kids that talk very young mm-hmm. and have memories really, really young that they can maybe have some details. Mm-hmm. I don't have any details. So I can't prove, you know, oh, you were this guy who was in this battle and in this unit. And I don't have any of that. But I know in my heart, you might say, that that I was there. And mm-hmm. absolutely felt that to my guts, that I was definitely there. And so that, I mean, eventually, you know, it, it kind of settled down. And I was able to not 
you know, <laughs> create a complete disturbance. But it really bothered me. And it has stayed in my mind, you know, to, to the current day, you know. So that that was probably the most, no, that was definitely the most intense past life experience that I've had. But not the only one before or after. Right. And that was something that has been with me my entire life, you know, that this is not my first time around. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that it's any of our first times around. Um, my daughter spoke at a very young age and said a great number of things. <laughs> I'll probably get back to that a little bit later as I proceed kind of chronologically. But yes, she had early um, mentioned things that only make sense from a multiple lives perspective right. at a very young age where it almost couldn't have been suggested to her. And just, you know, like a statement, well, you're my mother now, but I was your mother last time. <laughs> Which, you know, sticks in the mind, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, so right out of high school and against the wishes of my parents, I did enlist in the military. And so I was actually back at the same recruiting station 12 years later. <laughs> Different people were working there. But, I was going to say it yes. wouldn't be the same recruiter. No, no, they, they, didn't, they didn't recognize me. But um, I did enlist and I did spend the next five years in the military. And during that time, while I don't have any recollection of anything paranormal, the I just got hit with deja vu like on a daily basis. Like this has all happened before. Like I totally know what this means and what this is like. Mm -hmm. And it was, that aspect was actually very comforting. You know, this is, felt like this is, this is at least at this point in time where I belong. And right. that was, you know, it was just, to me, confirmation of what I'd been feeling my whole young life up until that point. Right. So, yeah. Um, so then I got out and um, went to college. And from about age 25 to 41, I lived um, with my, my wife my, um, in a house in the Sherman Park neighborhood of Milwaukee. And if you recognize that, that would be an amazing coincidence because I don't expect anybody to. <laughs> but that's it, just, that's where we lived. Um, the Sherman Park home was quite old and had been like remodeled at least once, probably a couple times. And to cut to the chase, it was haunted. Now, what it was haunted by is a different question. Um, I have a really tough time believing that ghosts are the actual souls of people who were once alive and are now dead. Mm -hmm. I don't doubt for two seconds that ghosts are a thing that people experience. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know that. But as far as I can accept different theories of what happens at death, I can accept that 
I don't like this one, but I can accept it. The materialist reduction is your body dies and that's it. There's no more of you and you are gone. Game over. I, I don't like that, but I could accept it. I can accept that there's some sort of afterlife, that, you know, there's some sort of next world. I personally believe in reincarnation and then we come back here. How exactly that works and what all that means, I do not purport to know. I have a few guesses, but they're just guesses. Um, the idea that we die and then we hang around in the same room that we spent the last years of our life, I just have a tough time with that one. That mm -hmm. just, you know, obviously I can't literally rule it out, but that just seems like, really? So a hundred years from now, you're just sitting around, you know, making odd sounds and touching people. <laughs> that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't seem realistic to me. You know, I, I'm more in the belief in like um, residual energy. I could totally believe that. And I really believe that a lot of times other spirits assume the identities of people who have died as a way in to talk to people and interact with them and as a more pleasing costume, you might say. Mm -hmm. that, that I think happens a lot. Mm -hmm. There is one thing that your show actually really did a great job in discussing and I learned from, and that was the hungry ghosts concept. Mm. And that the, the one, the souls that I can believe are souls of the dead are maybe people who had a lot of appetites in the living world and still want to satisfy those appetites, even though they're dead. Mm -hmm. And that can, they can be dangerous and they can be disruptive. And I totally believe in the hungry ghosts. Mm -hmm. um, in the Sherman Park house, we experienced a lot of ghost and poltergeist activity. And some of it I would describe as hungry ghost activity. Um, we had, and I guess this is a pretty common experience, the, in our main bedroom, someone would, and we had a water bed at the time, so you can feel every, right. You, you don't, you know, nobody sneaks into a water bed, you know, no. and we had a water bed and somebody would get in that bed. Oh, and you know, at some point, you know, I'm literally turning on the lights to see, now, is there somebody in this room or not? You know, because this is this mm -hmm. is crazy, you know. And I'm laying, usually right as you're drifting off to sleep, thump, somebody gets in next to you. And it's like, now, I know there's nobody in this room. But the feeling of being watched mm. was intense and frequent. And the feeling of there being somebody else in the room with you. And again, never heard anything, never saw anything, no apparitions, but the perception was just really strong. Right. And yeah. And I felt it. My wife felt it. Um, and 
Interestingly, as I recall, it wouldn't happen if we were both in bed and we were both awake, it wouldn't happen. Right. But if one of us was there alone, then it would happen. Mm -hmm. And then, and this happened, this is the only time in my life that this happened this way was when, and we later got rid of the waterbed, got another different kind of bed, still same thing kept happening. Um, Somebody getting in bed, somebody sitting down in the bed, somebody climbing in bed with you. Absolutely. The complete sensation. And that's when I had really weird dreams. And dreams that were sexual, but not wanted, not fantasy, not pleasurable, unwanted, invasive, you know? Right. Dreams where this woman is in bed with me and I'm telling her no. Um, I've never had that kind of a dream before or after that house, but right there. And, you know, that's really an unusual experience for me, but there I had it a number of times and it was, it was disturbing, you know, and then I'd wake up and just lay there and be like, did I do something terrible? And then wait a minute, wait a minute, where are you? You're in your own house. You're in your own bed. Nothing happened. Nobody was here. That didn't happen. That was a dream. But it was a very intense and very, again, invasive dream. Yeah, that sounds icky. Yes. Oh, it is a drag. And it really seemed like someone trying to satisfy desires that they could no longer satisfy. Right. In this world, you know. Now, did your wife have any similar dreams like that? That, and I I guess I I should have asked her before I I was making my notes. Um, She did experience definitely, well, no, I can actually say yes, she did. Now, as frequently as me, I don't know. But to some extent, yes, absolutely. I, yeah, at least a couple times. Yeah. And, And she experienced the full somebody's in the room Somebody's watching me. Somebody's getting in bed with me. Somebody's sitting down on the edge of the bed. All, all of that. But and did have a couple of really weird, you know, sexual dreams, which mm-hmm. again are not are so different from, you know, just a, a dream that happens to have pleasant sexual content. Right. No, this was this is different. Yeah, yeah. For, and that did happen to both of us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, and that makes sense that, you know, there's, there's something there, um, whether it's a hungry ghost or something like an incubus or a succubus. Yes. I, yeah. Those... I mean, there's, it's hard to tell which it would be, uh, but that's what it sounds like you had in that house. You had something that was really unsavory. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, so yes, just just to flip back for a second because I forgot to mention it because I didn't write it down. But um, the one uh, paranormal experience that I was a witness to, not an experiencer of, that happened in the military, and 
led me to never touch a Ouija board. Um, and I can't guarantee a hundred, what I'm going to tell you is true, but I can't guarantee you that this wasn't some kind of elaborate hoax or prank, mm -hmm. but it would have to require a pretty unlikely cast of characters working together to fool everybody for no good reason. Right. Okay. And I don't think it was that. I think it was what it appeared to be. Um, we were in training school. So we're all sleeping in a big room called a squad bay where you have about 40 guys in bunk beds. Mm -hmm. And it's after the time that everybody has to be in. So we're, we're there and just waiting to go to bed. And these guys start playing with a Ouija board. And meanwhile, some people have already gone to sleep. So those that are up are kind of, these two guys are playing around with it. And everybody else is doing whatever. It's not, you know, getting that much attention. And these two guys are, I think, from California. And they're doing the Ouija board. And they ask the name of the spirit they're talking to. And the name is spelled out, which is a name of a major demon that I only know from involvement with Dungeons and Dragons. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> but I have heard of this in much more serious context. And as soon as they say the last letter in that name, an un totally unrelated fellow who had gone to bed already, like half hour, hour ago, who was from New Orleans, Louisiana, bolts upright, screams, and runs across the room. And then they decided it was, it was time to put the Ouija board away. Yeah. And that struck me as not being fake. The people involved weren't close. It just didn't seem to be... And it was never repeated and wasn't even talked about much. It was just kind of a thing that happened. There's nothing to see here and let's everybody go their way. Right. But, We're all cool here. Yes. Yes. We meant to do that. It, it, <laughs> yeah. Nothing happened. Nothing to see. Yes. Go to sleep. It's all good. <laughs> yes. But uh, that, that always struck me as probably what it, some form of what it appeared to be. That they contacted right. somebody, and somebody who they should not have. Now, probably not the entity whose name was mentioned, but somebody. And right. the other guy would be a person perhaps more likely to pick up on things than the average person. Right. So, yes, that's just a, a weird little incident that did occur. Well, you'll have to tell me after we're not recording what the what the name was. Yes, I didn't or know. You can, if you don't want to say it out loud, you can always oh, I don't, it to me. I don't mind. I just Okay, well then tell me. I okay. I mean, you're kind of more well versed in I don't know if you're supposed to say their names or not. No, you're not invoking, so don't worry. Okay. You, you can say their names. They're not like Voldemort. <laughs> um and and even so, you know, you can still say Voldemort. <laughs> All right. Uh, it was Asmodeus. Oh, that guy. Yeah. And they spelled out Asmodeus. 
And as soon as they got to the S at the end, this dude bolts out of a dead sleep and is like freaked out. And that brought things to a close rather quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it would. <laughs> if you were, you know. Kind of sensitive to, to that. those yeah. things. Yeah. 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 So that was that was that, yeah. Um, so I haven't haven't been too inclined to play with those things. And in, in general, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it seriously or not do it. I don't right. want to toy with things because you know I don't like to be toyed with, and you know, I don't want anything to toy back. You know. Yeah. No, that, that's absolutely correct. Um, there are ways to do uh, Ouija board safely. Oh yeah. Um, but most people don't do it that way. So that's why it has a kind of a crappy reputation. Yes, yes. So at, at, um, I'm sorry to pick up from the chronological where, <laughs> where I was there. Um, there were a couple of other things that happened at that same house that were really quite something. At the time... Almost the entire time I lived there, I worked for the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Department. And I was a sheriff's deputy. And one day I come home and my wife's at work. Kids are at school. Um, I come in the house and I hear clearly somebody walking around upstairs. And the paranormal is not even in my mind. Right, you're. you're I live in the big city. Somebody's in my house. Yes, exactly. I am totally just in a cop mindset. Someone has broken in my house, and they're upstairs. And I've just walked through the door from work, so I pull my gun, and I go upstairs, and kind of creeping along slowly, doing the very tactical kind of like on TV where they cut the pie slowly, going around the corner. Right. And I clear every room upstairs. And there's nobody there. There is nobody there. And I this, hate it when that happens. Yes. And this was not some little, I think I heard a tap, or it could be the house settling, or, you know, we had squirrels and stuff. It was not that. This was an adult person walking around up there, moving stuff. It yeah. sound, my first guess was somebody's, taken the air conditioning unit out um it's it was that loud okay and there's absolutely nothing there oh that's yeah yeah and that was the most extreme example but certainly not the only one you know um the and there's one little kind of funny part to this as i'm creeping around gun in hand i go through my stepdaughter's room and she had a life-size uh, cardboard poster of Lucy Lawless as Xena <laughs> standing on you know on the wall. And man, oh. it's lucky that didn't get a hole in it. <laughs> it oh. didn't. But I can't remember. Good that you didn't shoot Xena. <laughs> yeah, yes, would have yes. been very very sad. <laughs> but I come around and there's a life-size person standing there. But it, no, it, it, that's that's not her. <laughs> there and it's just. Nobody there, but yes, and that was a thing that did happen. Yeah. Um, so you're not an experiencer, but 
<laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it sounds awful experiency to me. It, you know. Yes. There was a, another time that we had a light fixture explode oh. while no one's in the room. Um, and We've literally had that happened yeah. once. Yeah, that's there's that's and there's no scenario where somebody could have gotten in there and played a prank or a trick or no. Right. It and it just dis- was destroyed. Um and again, you know, that, that happened. You know, now I never felt a real malignant presence like the bedroom stuff was really creepy, but it was creepy in the sense of somebody who was like, can we be friends type of creepy? It wasn't, right. I'm going to kill you type of thing, you know? No, it was more like the, the the creeper guy who tries to follow you home from the bar or whatever. Yes, it was a lot like that. Which is still horrible. <laughs> yes, so I'm, not, yes. I'm not saying creepers are okay, but <laughs> yeah, there there are levels of malevolence and yeah. A very different feeling from, you know, something's actually trying to do us real harm. Right. You know, we raised... Not trying to set you on fire, things like that. We had a gas stove the entire time we lived there. Um, We raised two infants. Um, You know, if it really wanted to do something terrible, it, they, that, them. (laughs) Yeah. If the other wanted to do something terrible something terrible would have happened and right. nothing, nothing ever did like at all. But, um, it was just, you know, we did have a number of things happen that are clearly not run of the mill. Right. Then there's just, well, there's, well, when my daughter was quite young, she's in her early twenties now. Um, but when she was, say, four or five years old, she had long conversations with what she called the dolphins in the vents. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. And she'd be over there in the corner whispering. And like, you know, like she, she and she wasn't performing for us. Usually... Like we weren't even paying. We'd be in the other room, and she'd be doing it. Right. No, she, she was, was. She was genuinely talking to somebody. Yes. Whether it was an imaginary somebody. Yes. Or not. Yeah. Yes. And it was always the dolphins in the vents. And I, I never saw any dolphins, but um, that's what maybe they appeared to her as, you know. Right. Wh- which would be something that you know. Um, her older sister was very much into dolphins and dolphins are kind of a benign, a non-human intelligent benign image. Right. You know, so that's maybe how they came to her, but, and it didn't follow us. Well, I'll explain that my son also had an imaginary friend, which was Gary, the snail from, uh, SpongeBob. And even though he, when we moved, he was fairly young. That didn't follow us. None of the imaginary stuff followed us. 
which is kind of interesting. It was okay. just just that house, and then it stopped. Everything stopped. We went to the different house. Hmm. So, so it was place dependent, not people dependent. Absolutely. Okay. And the dreams totally did not continue once we left that house. Right. Not even, not even once. Like just didn't happen. Right. There are just two other things from that house that I would like to mention. One happened across the street. Um, oh, hey, just let me break in, Barbara. I'm not just, like, talking too much, am I? No, go. Oh, okay, okay. You're telling your stories. <laughs> good, That's good, cool. good. Okay. That's cool. Nobody, everybody gets to listen to me every week. It's fine. Okay, because okay. believe me, I can be a bit of a blabbermouth sometimes, you know? No, it's all good. <laughs> okay, it's good, all good. good. Um, so, yes, this happened about 15 years ago. Um, so we're still at that house and it happened on the 4th of July. And I remember two things about that day. I happened to have the day regularly off. I was just a regular off day. So I was able to be at home all day and it was insanely hot. It was so hot. It was solidly a hundred degrees uh, uh, and humid. Yeah. I was uh, going to say Midwest hot yes, is always humid yes, and yes. terrible. And this is the city, terrible. and you can't even get a breeze, and it's yeah. just hot. Yeah, it's bad. And I, I'm i not a shorts wearer, okay? <laughs> I, I really don't wear shorts. But this day, I had to break down and find an old pair of swim trunks just because it was I was going to die. <laughs> it was so yeah. hot, yeah. you know? And so we're friends with the neighbors across the street. And so we're over there just hanging out, having a couple beers, just a regular 4th of July. And all of a sudden, in this is maybe 2 in the afternoon. So it's it's really at the height of heat. And it's been hot as hell all day. And then at the hottest portion of the day, we're sitting on the porch, just hanging out. And a person that I've come to call the 4th of July guy comes walking down the street. I call him that because we literally only saw him once. Okay. Now we lived in this neighborhood for um, over a decade. Right. And we knew, like I might not know somebody's name, but I've... But you know their faces. Yes, yes. It's yeah. a residential neighborhood. The turnover isn't that great. People, I know who they are, you know, especially yeah. if they're on foot. Okay. Because you're not, not going to walk too far, you know. Um, this guy comes walking past us. And he's both tall and broad. He He's a black man. He looks kind of like, say, Michael Clark Duncan. Or um, I'm trying to think of, like, he's built like a linebacker. Just a, like Warren Sapp. Just like a. Okay. Big dude, okay? I actually used to work for a linebacker, so I know how big they are. <laughs> okay, yes. They are, they are very large gentlemen. Yes, and he, he was. He was a big fellow. And he is wearing the most bizarre outfit. Um, He's got a military-style fatigues, mm -hmm. except they're all in black. 
like a SWAT right. cop would wear. But they don't have any patches or badge or any insignia at all. And he's got combat boots. And over top of that, he's got a three-quarters length leather jacket. So oh my god. <laughs> he's incredibly hot. And yeah. and he's a big dude. And you know, generally if you your body weight is higher, it's yeah, tougher it's to deal with the heat, you know. Yeah. And yeah. my first thought, you know, my law enforcement light bulb was, oh my God, he's got a gun under the coat. Because why would anybody why right. would you do that? You know, I'm wearing shorts. A lot of the guys walking down the street aren't even wearing shirts. You know, nobody right. everybody's like just trying to get out of the heat. And here comes this dude in military clothes with a leather trench coat. And it's like, what is this person up to? And he's walking straight. He's staring straight ahead. And he's walking with a purpose. It's not exactly a march, but he's not strolling. He's going somewhere. He's going somewhere. He's on a mission. He is focused. And... Once we realized that it wasn't about us, <laughs> we're, we're like just like kind of watching him, and he just walks past our house. We didn't see where he came from, and he gets like to the end of the block and the next block, and then it's a kind of a busy street, but it's also really a dead end, and we just lose sight of him, and he's just gone, and we never saw him again, and. There was I did actually watch the news and check the paper. There's no crimes committed that right. of anything like that. And so he didn't have a gun. Under the, you know, what I told my wife was that guy is a Terminator from the future. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what he reminded me of. He totally <laughs> reminded me of. Uh, he might a have Terminator. been the guy sent back to get the Terminator. From the yes, future. you don't know. <laughs> yes, but I, it was just so bizarre. And then to never see him again. I mean, if somebody yeah. like that moved in, well, okay. We'd see him regularly doing his thing, but... Oh. Even if he was visiting, you'd think you'd you'd see him in another context visiting again. Yes. If he had we friends for, or relatives. We were there, there for years and never saw him again. Never saw him before, never saw him since. <laughs> And when, I, you, when you see people who are of an unusual size, you do notice them and then look for them again, <laughs> you know? Yes. And, yeah. And the uh, just the outfit was so bizarre. For that I, time of year? Yes, yes. That's just, oh, and it's horrible. I just was just baffled. Like, I really believe that this man may have been crossed over from another dimension, like a multiverse type of thing that I think, you know, I'm just speculating, but if there are multiple universes next to each other, like side by side by side by side mm -hmm. in a fourth dimension or something, the ones closest to us, it would seem like you might wander out and wander back in and never even know you'd, crossed over yeah yeah i think that i think that happens i think that sometimes does happen and that some missing persons i think that's what happened mm -hmm. and i follow missing persons cases but what i really 
like might be the wrong word, but what really fascinates me are found persons that don't have any, nobody knows who they, nobody knows who they are or how they got here or what right. they're doing here, but they're here now. And sometimes they're here now and dead and they can't answer anything, but right. they, they came from somewhere, but nobody knows where that is and nobody knows anything. And sometimes I think that it is a dimensional crossover unconsciously, unknowingly, unintentionally, you just wander over, which I kind of, that's one of my pet theories about Bigfoot and that maybe he's having a paranormal experience when he wanders out of his normal universe where everybody's a Bigfoot and, you know, it's all right natural and, you know, humans never messed it up. And then he wanders into this horrible world where we're all over the place. And then no wonder he yells. Back. Yes. Yes. He's absolutely terrified by what are these things? You know? Yeah. And gets wanders back into his place. It's a possibility, you know. Have you ever listened to uh or read any books by Paul Enno? Enno. You know? That's really a familiar name, but I can't say I have. He does a radio show. Um, he used to be a, a priest huh. and an exorcist. Oh boy. And he has really, really fascinating ideas about ghosts. He agrees with you and, um, a few other people who, who basically say that, that what we think of as ghosts are generally not deceased humans. Um, that there are very few that actually are deceased humans um he thinks that they are phantoms that basically we're able to see into the the universe right next door hmm. or see into the reality right next door and sometimes they can see us back hmm. so we're appearing as ghosts in their reality and um, they are appearing as ghosts to us. And he's had some communications with some ghosts that, you know, it, it really sounds to me like it, these are just normal people in their universe <laughs> that can suddenly see into ours or are sort of accidentally bleeding over into ours and kind of need to be pushed across he has this idea of an electromagnetic field between realities that sometimes is pierced and weakened and then realities can kind of blend together in these these sort of places where they bump up against each other um so yeah that, that that's not much different than what you're saying that, that is a that fascinating this man was idea walking this man was walking down a street in his universe, in your neighborhood, in his universe, but not yours, and had a purpose, and he was going somewhere that actually was someplace else, and he was walking through, and it, it just, that's why you never saw him again. He never, you know, came back out because he went back into his universe. Maybe he was taking a shortcut between, you know, three universes. If you think <laughs> about it. He he went from his to 
hours, which is sort of in between to the place he was actually going, which was a third one. That makes sense to me. I mean, that really does. That and the... I'm kind of a nut about time travel because to me, it's not possible now, but if full on, like real back to the future style time travel, if that's ever invented, then it's always here. Well, yeah. If they invent it a million years from now, then it's always here. And so I think that sometimes there may be time travelers and he may be one. I like mm-hmm. the I like the multiverse thing though. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, you can have both. And, and, I, I've oh, seen absolutely. all of those Doctor yes. Who episodes <laughs> where you got both. You know. <laughs> That's true. It'd be fascinating if so much of the explanation for ghosts turned out to be something that was a hundred percent like scientifically verifiable and it was a matter of particle physics and the electromagnetic field. That would be That'd be quite a shocker. <laughs> but yeah. I, that wouldn't surprise me, honestly, you know, at a certain level. No, I'm sure that electromagnetic energy has something, another to do with the other and with the paranormal. Um, there's just too many instances where there's electronic oddities or electromagnetic oddities or magnetic anomalies, geomagnetic anomalies, and then you have... Uh, spectral uh, apparitions or alien abduction, quote unquote, or uh, glowing balls of light or beings made of light or, you know, umpty, Mm -hmm. umpty, umpty different things (laughs) that happen. And you have strange spikes in electromagnetic energy at the same time. It just keeps happening. Well, and that's, you know, Keel's big thing and everything. Mm -hmm. And, to me, my favorite parts of the Mothman prophecies are where the radio's turned off, but it's still talking. And oh. th- things like that that kept happening. And we're clearly, you know, that's not the devil, okay? And that's not, you know, Uncle Elbert who died 10 years ago coming and flipping the switch. No, that's that's something that's very physical. It's very, like sciency you know and it's mm-hmm. clearly something electromagnetic that it is that's what something like that is happening you know? yeah i had that happen once um oh, wow. next day that uh, stereo was on the sidewalk <laughs> free to a good home <laughs> um because that i did not appreciate that uh, it it turned itself on it was never set to be radio we never used the radio on it we used the cd player and it was off off not just you know on cd and then the cd stopped playing but it was still there was still power running through it it was completely off and a voice came out of the radio um there was static and there was a voice and there was a light And what the voice said was, get out of here, she's awake. Oh, wow. (laughs) And then I saw three, like, silhouetted beings and came straight up out of that bed screaming. And uh, 
right about when I, you know, jumped up out of bed screaming, there was the sound of, of what I took to be a car or truck starting up and driving away from where our house was. And it was bad and I didn't like it. And no. uh, I slept with the lights on for the rest of the night. Yes. Oh. I did not care for that. And that, that, that CD player, I, I said to my husband, I'm like, Zach, we're getting rid of this thing. He's like, that's fine. That's fine. If it turns itself on and voice, strange voices come out of it, nope, it doesn't need to stay in the house. No, I get you. That I, I thought it just turned itself on like started playing music or something. That's no. really wild. No, I didn't like it. I hated it. <laughs> and uh, so I, I put it out on the on at the end of the driveway because uh, the next day was trash day. <laughs> and so I, I put it there and I was dragging the trash can out. And one of my neighbors from up the road was walking his his dog and he's like, are you getting rid of that? And I'm like, yeah. And he was like, well, does it work? I said, oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Like, what, do you mean, what do you mean by, oh, yeah. Well, it turned itself on last night. And he was like, oh, well, does it have a remote? And I said, nope. <laughs> and he said, oh. And so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, you can take it. You're welcome to it. If, you know, voices come out of it that aren't supposed to be there. I don't come and tell me about it. I don't want to know. <laughs> I was like, you know, just, just take it. <laughs> take it away. <laughs> leave it. Leave it. I don't. Yeah, just go. <laughs> just don't. two, th two things stick with me. One, why are they, they, whatever the big they may be. Why are they concerned? We better get out of here. She's awake. Mm -hmm. Our, is, if they were that powerful, when they just do what they're going to do? It, yeah. It's not, maybe they're not that powerful. Yeah. You know, that's, that's one of the answers. They need subterfuge and, you know, they need you to not be conscious. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the, that's one of the keys. I think we're not supposed to be fully conscious when things are occurring. Mm -hmm. The other, and I'm just um, freelancing here, but we send a bunch of electronics to mm -hmm. Asia to be recycled and mm -hmm. gotten rid of as waste. Mm -hmm. Well, f what happens to all those receivers? <laughs> And that we send other like millions of them. I wonder what they're picking up, you know, that as is... the people that whose job it is to take them apart and break them down into pieces. <laughs> I wonder what they're accessing. That is, yeah, that's a thought. Yeah, that's you a know. creepy thought. I don't have any answers to that. I'm just, <laughs> just, it's, it's a curious thing. Yeah, that would have made a great X Files episode. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, talking about ghosts as not the souls of the dead kind of segues into my last story from that house. And, and this is not one I talk about a whole lot because to me it's really serious. And... I don't want to mention the guy's name, not that anybody would know it, but it 
was a big deal to me. Um, because this one, I absolutely believe, was the soul of a person who had died. And it was... Okay, so I'm in this neighborhood. I'm in my 30s. I'm a cop. I'm kind of like... There's some friction between me and some of the local youth who were involved in the drug trade. Mm. And, you know, things, without going into a great deal of detail, things were sometimes somewhat hostile. And there was a person I knew who had grown up in that neighborhood. And I had known him, or known, we we were like, know him, know him, but we, well, we kind of did. We, we knew each other and I had seen him around since he was a child and we had crossed each other kind of repeatedly. We were not friends. Enemies is a strong term, but we didn't care for each other. And he did some time in prison, not like a lengthy stretch, but a couple of years and he got out and was very much a presence on the block and the block wasn't really big enough for the two of us. And we'd had some interactions that were pretty negative. Um, anyway, he, he died violently. Um, it was labeled a suicide. I had the impression that the city police were not really interested in investigating. And I'm not saying this is all right. Cause it's not all right. They were not interested in investigating the death of a convicted felon who had gang ties and was involved with drugs. I honestly think that possibly one of his so-called friends murdered him. I don't know. You know, I, I have no way of knowing any of that stuff, but he did die violently. And within somewhere around one to three days of his death and understand, I didn't like him, but I also didn't want to see him die like that. You know, Right. That wasn't something that I wished for or anything like that. I yeah, quite the opposite. You know, I just, you know, it, it made, you know, it disturbed me too. Um, I had the most intense dream of my life period before or since nothing compares to this. This was an experience and I had a, in that dream, I had an interaction with him and he was not as he appeared when he died, but as he appeared, as I remembered him at his youngest age, which was probably his very early teens. Mm -hmm. And we were talking and then we were embracing and he was telling me something, but I couldn't hear what he was saying. I could only hear my own voice saying, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. It's all, all right. It's all right. And this went on for a while. And then I woke up 
And I was very emotional about that. And I told my wife about it. I didn't tell anybody else about it. Um, until years later, I told my therapist about it and broke down in tears in the office because it was that intense. Right. And nothing could tell me that, that wasn't a real encounter. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like, in my mind, it seemed like to move on, he had to squash things with me. And I wanted to squash things with him. And to this day, I never speak ill of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's moved on. I never had that type of dream again. Um, I don't really think about him very much. But that was really intense. That's probably the most intense, like, not normal experience I've ever had. And it really felt like he and I laid things to rest that we couldn't lay to rest in life. We did lay them to rest. And then he did move on. And again, he had been dead only a couple of days, Mm -hmm. which is to me much more believable than if he'd been dead like 20 years, you know? Right. And that I do believe was Mm -hmm. the soul or spirit of an actual person that died. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that happened. Yeah, I think I think I have no problem with believing that people kind of hang around for a little while. And in fact, you know, we have funerary traditions that um, reflect that. Um, it's always traditional to wait three days before you bury someone. Because, you know, the, the way it was explained to me was the spirit may not know that they're, they're dead. And they may be hanging around their body still. And so you give them some time to say goodbye and, and give them time to grieve. Yes, I've heard of that. And that makes complete sense to me. That absolutely makes sense to me. Um, the, you know, one of the two ghosts that I've had contact with were both recently dead. Um, One was my great aunt at her funeral. And um, I saw her as, you know, how shadow people are like a silhouette of a person, but black like a shadow. Well, she was the opposite. She was the silhouette of herself. And she was very distinctive looking because she was very, very short. Um, she was like not even quite five feet tall. She was very, very short. And she was round. You know, she was she was one of those older ladies that was just you just she always had an apron on and you just always wanted to cuddle her. She's a little <laughs> round lady. She always wore her hair up in a bun. So it was a very distinctive shape to her. Um and uh she was uh, basically like a a shadow person made of light and in her shape and in her size as well she was hanging out behind the minister during her funeral oh wow she would peek out from behind him and i could see her and i think she recognized that i could see her 
because then she started to wave at me. And I'm sitting there, I'm 17 years old. I'm old enough to know better than to, yeah, I think actually I was closer to 15, 15, 16, 17, something like that. So I'm old enough not to act up during a, a funeral, but I started to laugh because she was bouncing back and forth and waving at me. And then she started sort of jumping up and flying around. Oh, wow. Like, look what I can do. Look at this. <laughs> this is the coolest thing. You know, she's like, isn't this fun? Isn't this amazing? I don't have to, you know, be stuck in my body anymore. It was, I mean, she was, she was joyful. So I'm sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> trying to replace the laugh. Yes, it's not easy. So I ended up pretending that I was crying and sobbing because I was I was laughing. And uh you know, later my my aunt Judy, my my dad's sister, it was their aunt said, "Are you were you okay? Because you were you were crying so hard." I was like, "I wasn't crying. I was laughing." I said, "I saw Aunt Emma and I described it." And she said, "That really does sound like Emma." Like, I, I can't I can't help but think she did do that. And yes, she probably did try to make you laugh. And I said, Yeah, well, so wherever she is, she's happy. So <laughs> nah, that's, that's a real good experience, yes. You know, yeah. and positive. that was that was like four days after she died. So it was not like she hung around for a super long time. Yes, I can totally accept that the relatively short-term ghost might be who they appear to be. Because, mm -hmm. and I mean, I'm just kind of riffing here, but, you know, your physical body doesn't die all at once. Mm -mm. If You know, if you die, like, your liver still lives on for several hours, and, you know, your kidneys live for a certain time, and everything, like goes at a different speed. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't make any sense that, you know, whatever other non-physical parts of you, they wouldn't all just poof, you know. Right. I wouldn't think, you know, they'd probably take a little while, you know, mm -hmm. to transfer to whatever they're going to do next, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so to um, continue with my chronological kind of way of doing it. Um, in 2012, we did move and we moved um, to a suburb of Milwaukee adjoining uh, community. And we moved right at the end of 2012. We moved December 1st of 2012. Oh, so you were getting ready for the end of the world by moving house. <laughs> I Good said idea. Let me tell you, if I've put all this time and effort <laughs> into moving <laughs> and three weeks later, the world ends, that would be very sad, a very bad investment. You know? <laughs> now, there are people at, at, on the on the one hand, I think the major 2012 movements of which there were at least like a couple, mm -hmm. um, there was the. Mayan calendar people right? who believed that was going to happen. And unfortunately, Terrence McKenna ended up throwing in with them because he had a different prediction, but then changed it from what I've read. Mm -hmm. And 
they believed it was it was going to happen. But there was also I don't know if the Harold Camping rings a bell. He was that a, name does, but I don't remember what he, it was. He was a Christian minister. Yes, who, him. Yes, and as it happens, back when I was in the military, I had read his book or his most famous book, nineteen ninety four question mark. Right. Which was put out in like ninety one or ninety two. And I read it when I was over in Somalia and had time on my hands. And he made a numerolog numerological case that Christ had to return in nineteen ninety four. But being unlike most of those guys, not a con artist, but a deluded but very sincere guy, he gave himself the out that if I'm wrong then it has to be 2012. <laughs> and so since, yeah, 1994 didn't happen, they came out with a full press that's got to be 2012. And then they were disappointed again. And he honestly, it's kind of sad because I think he died of grief, basically, after Aww. his second prediction didn't come true. He Now, he was, he was up there in years, but yeah. And I don't think he ever tried to fleece anybody. I think he just kind of got wrapped around the axle of when you only talk to people who agree with you and yeah, you know, you kind of become an echo chamber and reinforce each other. And yeah, it's totally happened. Oh, it's happened, dude. Yes. Right on. And then it doesn't happen. It can be, you know, devastating, you know, but um, so anyway, yeah, 2012 was going to be the year. And I'm like, if we move and then the world ends, <laughs> this is just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, we've been behind the curve on everything. <laughs> yeah. But we had a tea and cake or death party on the solstice of 2012. Oh, wow. So we had a full English tea with Victoria sponge cake and crumpets and scones and all of that. <laughs> I figured... If we're going to go out, we're going to go out with, you know, full stomachs and lots of baked goods. Absolutely. Nothing happened. <laughs> so we had tea and cake, not death. <laughs> well, the, I think Mayan date was going to be the 26th. Mm -hmm. And I assured um, my loved ones that whatever else happened, I wasn't going through this sober. So you know, I'm cracking a couple <laughs> and you know, see, you on, see what happens. Happy and, Boxing Day. Yes. In, yes, indeed. I People don't get that over here. I wish we did that over here, but um, it's kind of cool. It's because we never had the, the amount of servants, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give something nice to the mailman though on that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we were um, in that house, and nothing. Um, I don't have much for many years of any paranormal significance in that house for a while. Okay, and nothing seemed to follow us. From the other house. Even though the same people were living there and everything, nothing came over. Things were really quiet there for a long time. But um, I did have a chance to go to the Driftless region. Um, my 
father's side of the family is from Richland County, Wisconsin. And that is right in the Driftless region of Wisconsin, which is, I believe, call, called that because it wasn't crushed by the glacier. Yes. So it's, Absolutely. it's hill country. Right. And it's not the Smoky Mountains, but I would hazard to say it's the closest thing to Appalachia. And I'm probably mangling the pronunciation there. You are a little bit, but we'll forgive you. It's all right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, in the Midwest. Um, it's not flatland. And a lot of the people, like there's two wings of the family. And the other wing is in, which is lost because just to speak freely, they were Irish and the Irish feud and there's still feuds going on. And so doing genealogy is really difficult when people don't speak for 48 years at a time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was literally my grandfather and his brother did not speak for 48 years. And after that, their descendants continued it. So stuff like that. Yeah. But right. I have kin in Kentucky and Tennessee that, you know, that's how it split. And the others went to the, the Driftless area. And it's a rough place to farm. And it's great for hunting and fishing. Hard place to be a farmer. I'm building something here. I'm not just totally rambling. No, no. <laughs> and Appalachia is crappy to farm too. So, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but like your last two guests in a row have mentioned, I'm going to mention too, when you go there, it's a different feeling. It really is different than any place I've ever been. And... I've been a couple places, you know, and it just has a different vibe that I didn't, the difference between that part of Wisconsin and where I live in Milwaukee mm -hmm. is much greater than the difference between living in Milwaukee and California or Italy or a lot of places. That's interesting. It's really different. You know, I, and I, I I was there in 2018. Usually before COVID did everything it did, um, we went to see my grandmother, who's still with us. Uh, she's 100 years old. And, man, great lady. Absolutely wonderful. Um, and she's exactly 50 years older than me. Um, we have birthday on the same day. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it's very nice, yes. And we usually go see her on Mother's Day and spend the weekend, you know, Mother's Day weekend. And so we were there in Mother's Day weekend of 2018. And we were looking for the grave of the earliest ancestor we had that came to America. And we found it. And we found it in one of these little ghost towns that... It's not like, you know, in a Western, it's not, you know, totally nobody lives there. But like of the top population of all time back in like, say, 1960, maybe 10% of that people still live there. So right. 
all kinds of deserted buildings. All, right. kind, you know, it's it's a ghost town. And they usually keep a couple churches going and a couple bars. And there's a business here and there. But the, the town is really gone. Right. And, yeah. And some of these towns used to be pretty significant. And there's just nothing left, you know. But we had a guided tour from my grandmother who remembers all of it because she lived her entire life practically in that area. And that was a pretty active life because she grew up on a farm there. Um, she married my grandfather who lived to a ripe old age and they stayed. I'm not sure if every place they lived was in the driftless area, but it wasn't far away. And they spent the bulk of, she had a crew. He was considered at the time very progressive because he, and I hate the, the way it comes up, he air quotes allowed his wife to have a career after they got married. Right. And, and she did. And she was a school teacher until they made her retire because she'd hit the legal you forked her enough years that you, you can't you have to anymore. go home now. Yeah, yes. You have to go, stop. Yeah. Just put the book down. <laughs> and she had started out <laughs> and that literally was how it worked. And um, they both had gotten college degrees at night and oh, nice. they started out as, as both being farmers and they and both got into education and she ended up being a career school teacher and she started out working in a one-room schoolhouse and transitioned post-World War II into the modern, like, school system. He went on to become superintendent of schools. And his task was to consolidate and close down the one-room schoolhouses and make them into a modern school system. Right. So... Um, they were both um, lifelong residents of the Driftless area. And so she knows every, well, literally every street and corner of a lot of these places. And which is awesome. I mean, just from a historical perspective, driving around and having her tell you where stuff was and what happened there. And I mean, I try to, every t we've been there a couple times now and we really wanted to go this year, but it, just was not possible with everything. She's yeah. she's in a facility now, which is thank God for that, because at least they have their own secure medical system. Right. And I mean, she's still in, in good health for being a hundred, you know. Right. And, and just a huge besides being a really great lady, just a huge source of knowledge of all this stuff. And oh yeah, that's that now, but it used to be this. And pointed out all the one-room schools in the area and just had a bundle full of stories. But so we're in, for some reason, we're in a, a valley and it's, you know, it's straight up, straight down. It's really steep hills. And we went to look at something. And I remember commenting to my wife that, you know, this place feels like I could see a leprechaun. I don't mean like Lucky Charms. I mean like a real leprechaun. 
Like if a leprechaun came walking along, I wouldn't be that freaked. I'd be freaked out, but I wouldn't be that freaked out. It seems right. like the natural habitat. There's just a total different vibe there that you're like so close to not just nature, like a park, but like deep nature, like mm-hmm. old nature and nothing that would happen there would surprise me nearly as much as if it happened somewhere else. So, yeah, um, I'm coming to some actual action here. Something comes up in the story, but I'm <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, I'm, I, I like all this, this information because yeah, I just realized that I've heard from, there's going to be a fourth guest who talks about the, who talked about the driftless area. Um, so yeah, um, this is pretty cool. The driftless area is making itself known. Um, Clearly. <laughs> you know, that's what I take from it. That doesn't just happen when, um, now I'm blanking on the name of your last guest. I mean, the last episode that you put out. Um, Zoe Burnett. The yes. Owl, yes. The witch and the yes. Dress. Yes. Which was great, by the way. Um, when she said that, that something happened in Lime Ridge, I was like, get out of here. <laughs> nothing happens in Lime Ridge and nobody talks about Lime Ridge. There's more people on my block that live in Lime Ridge. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? But yes, Lime Ridge. I, I certainly know it. Yeah. That's, that's the area. Um, so the next year, so that, that year, 2018, we find the grave of our oldest ancestor. And I really wanted my kids to see that. And my daughter was getting ready to go to college. And I wanted, before she left, to see this piece of her heritage. That right. this is where our family starts in America. And it's it's kind of an inspiration least to me, kind of an inspiring story that that oldest ancestor was the Irish maid of an English lady. And she knew life's never going to change if we stay in England. Okay. (laughs) You're going to be a maid until you die of old age. And so she came to America and ended up living in Richland County and that was that was a big improvement. Um, so yes, so that happened 2018. 2019, we're going back to Richland County and we're driving along and my wife's driving and we're going, we're not in any particular municipality. We're in the country. And because the hills are so steep, the farmers usually plant crops at the bottom of the hill and up as high as they can, maybe two thirds of the way up mm-hmm. and then leave the top of the hill wooded. Cause you just mm-hmm. can't get tractors up. It just doesn't work. And so there's, they, go ahead. They do that in West Virginia too. Yeah. Yes. I believe it. It's, it's hill country, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's a cornfield and we're just driving along. And I mean, this is like totally pro se. Everything's normal. And suddenly we notice something come hauling. Okay. Moving very fast. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's moving. Okay. It's running as fast as it can out of the cornfield. 
and there's I'm guess, guessing here. I'm estimating about a hundred yards from the cornfield to the wooded area, and we see something, something large, something huge, come moving out of that cornfield, and it's it's not ethereal at all. It's totally physical, and it's running as fast as it can and the hill's very steep so it's almost like it's hopping and struggling to get up this hill as fast as it can and it leaves the cornfield and it gets to the wooded area and it's gone we have i'd say about five seconds where we're pulled over and just watching that happen and we both wish that we could have lasted longer but it was in the wooded area it's gone and we had another vehicle behind us and we couldn't hang around. Right. When we talked about it later, it was strange because my wife and I had simultaneously both seen this. No doubt about it. We we saw this event. But we had seen two different things. Our kids hadn't seen anything because they were both asleep in the back seat. <laughs> but, They're so useful that way, aren't they? Yes, yes. I know what I saw. And I saw an enormous bear, which, by the way, don't live in Wisconsin. Black bears do live in very northern Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. This is southern Wisconsin. Bears are so rare that as it happened the next year, 2020, a black bear showed up in Richland County and it made the news. Yeah. And the yeah. DNR took it back to where it belonged and put it away. <laughs> okay. Go over here. Yes. They really stop. They, Stop. You're not allowed here. Yes. <laughs> Too many people. Yes. And this was not a black bear. This was an enormous, like, Yeah, Kodiak. black bears aren't that big. No, no. This was like a Kodiak bear. And, and like a fat Kodiak bear, okay? A big Kodiak bear. And was it was it bipedal or running quadruped? No, it was water. It was run, what I saw. Okay. What I saw was running quadruped okay. and almost hopping. Okay. Okay. Struggling with the, the steepness. But it was running as fast as it possibly could. And I know what Kodiak bears look like, grizzly bears. Mm -hmm. And they are not, they can be different colors, mm -hmm. but they're all one color. Yeah. They're not like yeah. striped. Okay. No. This no. thing was. Okay. Oh this, boy. This was gold and brown and black. Okay. With stripes. Yes. It was different colors all over its body. Wow. And it's moving. Okay. Really fast. Like with a sense of urgency. Like I got the impression, it was just an impression for what it's worth, that it didn't want to be seen. That it right. was kind of an, oh crap, they can see me. I better get out of here. Now, that's my experience that's and that's the only time okay other than the fourth of july guy who is explainable in a mundane sense maybe just somebody right. dressed up that's the only time in my life i've ever visually actually seen something not of the normal world okay right i yeah, don't even when stuff. you saw the floating lady she looked like a normal lady she just was floating yes yes and that I saw alone when I was seven. But this time you saw it with people. 
Yes. Or and at least one other person. Yes, yes. And again, you're right. And she was a normal human being. She was doing some unusual things. But she was, again, if I saw her at the mall, it wouldn't mean anything. Right. This multicolored, massive bear. It and is. I, and I saw it as certainly as I saw the truck that was behind us. As certainly as I saw it as anything I've ever seen. It was not, you know, like a, any kind of... It was not an apparition to me at that point. It was a very physical, very solid animal. Okay? Right. My wife saw Bigfoot. Oh. And, I wondered if that was going to come up. Oh, yes. And I asked her, well, what do you mean? She saw Bigfoot. And she said, well, it looked like Bigfoot. Like, kind of like everybody knows what Bigfoot looks like. And... <laughs> I, I kind What's of, wrong with you, dude? Everybody knows. <laughs> and I kind of like, well, you know, I'm kind of pressing her for details. And she definitely saw it. And, you know, while well, she pulled over to, to, for us to stare at it, you know. And she said it was kind of like the warrior apes in the planet, of the, the reboot, the current one, right. not, not the 70s one. Right. But it was like the orangutan ape in that movie. And it was multicolored. She agreed on the multicolored part. Mm. But she saw it was definitely a primate. She says, no doubt. And I asked her specifically, well, was it a primate? Oh, it was absolutely a primate. It was definitely an ape. It was a primate. It was, it was not a bear. It was a primate. And she had the impression that it could, it usually walks bipedal. But it was like the warrior apes when they really want to go fast. They get right. down on their all fours and kind of hop. Mm-hmm. It was like that. That's what it was doing to scramble away as fast as it could. And so we we saw two different things to an extent, but they're doing the same thing. And, and they're the same colors. Yes, yes. It was definitely multicolored. And she is not a person who sees things that are not normal to this world either. I mean, it was a very, very much a once in a lifetime experience for both of us, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was just a really weird, intense experience. And it wasn't, you know, some people have that experience and then it's like, life-changing or they get a revelation or something. And no one like that. It just seems like we came upon it. And right. like it was surprised. Like it didn't expect us to see it. And right. it just wanted to get out of there as fast as it could. Hmm. Now, when, now, as you were driving away, did you talk about it immediately? Did you compare stories or did you let it sit in your head? You know, because sometimes people will see something weird and then they just can't talk about it for a little bit. Their minds are, are doing the processing thing and, and trying to figure out what it was they saw. So how did, how did the aftermath go with the two of you? As I recall, we did talk about it right away, but not in great detail. Um, we both like, did you see that? Oh yeah, I saw it. Um, but again, we're on the road and there's other cars and 
we didn't really discuss it until later because it was only a relative few minutes later that we like got to the motel and everything. Right. And once we got a chance to later that day, we sat down and talked about it, but, um, at that moment, no, but we, I recall us talking about it fairly quickly thereafter, like the same day Mm -hmm. and clearly having seen two different things. And yeah, that's fascinating. It was a very, very strange experience. What time of day was it? Oh, it was like, I want to say two, three in the afternoon. It was like, it wasn't dusk. It, right. It was perfect, yes. perfectly clear. Like, no, it was good. It, it wasn't raining or anything. It was like about ideal conditions. Right. And it. How tall was the corn? Right off the top of my head, I would say four or five feet. Okay. It would be, well, Mother's Day comes in May. Right. So it's pretty much full grown. Um, I kind of see where you're, yeah, you're leading it. Could only, if, if it was walking upright and it was tall, we would have seen it walking along. Right. You would so think. maybe it was trying to hide. Unless exactly, unless it was hid down and a very large creature or person could hide in that corn. It was, it was mm-hmm. you know, I would say probably five feet high. And then just bolts out of there. And just going almost like a football player running for the end zone. Just as fast right. as it can Get, a, get away, and it seemed right. like it was trying to get out of sight, which it did. I mean, real quickly, because hmm. it was it was in the wooded area before we, we drove on. How steep is the hill? Oh, it's steep. Okay. Um, yeah, that's probably also why it was running four-legged. Yes. It's traction. It seemed to be struggling, yeah. Like... To get up the hill because it, it it was a it was quite a steep grade yeah so that was again I don't know what that means but that's certainly what we saw you know yeah that's, um that's interesting it 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 is and I've you know in the time since then which isn't all that long I'm really glad that I'm able to put a date on that one, you know, mm-hmm. that because a lot of this stuff, well, you know, I don't keep a diary or anything like, right. a, like a systematic one. And so it's like, I can remember stuff that happened, but remembering exactly when it happened is a lot more difficult. Right. You know, this I know happened the Friday of Mother's Day weekend, 2019. Okay. That's really interesting. I like that. Yeah, it was. It's just you know, kind of a a weird standalone experience. Yeah. Um, and nothing like momentous happened in that weekend. We had a good time, um, but like there was no major event 
I don't think it was a harbinger of anything. Um, nothing happened, good or bad, right thereafter. It just was a thing that happened, and then we went home. <laughs> and yeah. I just kind of left there, what to make of this, I don't know. That's really interesting. So I wonder why you saw it as a bear and she saw it as an ape. But you both recognized that it had variegated coloration in the fur. And you both saw it quadrupedal. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if this means anything, but I... Be remiss not to mention it. On my right forearm, I have a tattoo that I got a long time ago, probably early 2000s. And it's of a grizzly bear standing upright. And it's a great big grizzly bear. And when I got the tattoo, they had to go over it three times. Once in black, once in brown, and once in gold. I don't know. <laughs> you know, those are the colors that I then saw in this gigantic bear that was running up the hill. See, I'm glad you said that. Even if it's... Even if the significance is what we give it, it's still significant. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Synchronicities have meaning because they have meaning to individuals. Now I'm going to have to look up multicolored Bigfoot sightings. I'm sure there's there's more of them out there. Uh, Tim Renner mentioned a green one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's an actually very famous one. Um, and it's probably one of the weirdest yes, that Bigfoot is weird. stories ever. <laughs> Although I do like the ones with, you know, Bigfoot carrying orbs around and stuff. <laughs> those are those are amazing as well. Yeah, that's that's my experience. And that is like the only cryptid experience ever that I've I've had. And uh, so far in my life. <laughs> well, at least you saw it. I heard it. I didn't see it. So whatever it was that was in my woods, I heard, did not see, was very frustrated that I had a Mulder and Scully special flashlight that didn't work mm. and I couldn't see. I could almost see, but I couldn't. So at least you saw it. Broad well, daylight. Too. Now that you mention it, I mean, we're a distance away, but there was no sound. You didn't hear the corn? Didn't hear anything. Because corn makes noise. Yeah. you Now, I don't know. Do we have the windows down? Were we paying attention? No. Um, but we didn't hear anything. Well, that is interesting. And you'd think this would make kind of a racket. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Having run through cornfields myself as yes, a kid. Yes, yes. It does make a huge noise. And just this big thing. I compared it in size to being... About the same size as like a Honda Civic. And that this is, is a big. The big bear. This is and that's why like bears like that don't really exist. And those that do don't live in Wisconsin. 
They don't no. wander through the driftless area. Okay, it doesn't happen like that. You know? No, no, they don't. Yes. Um. So we got back home, and I don't have a timeline on this, but the last couple of years we spent at the house we lived in when that happened. Mm-hmm. We started to have a lot of poltergeist activity. And now we moved about six months ago um, and it hasn't followed us as far as I can tell. (laughs) The poltergeist activity was almost exclusively limited to, in fact, I'll say as far as I know, is totally limited to objects disappearing and then reappearing and reappearing in places that I've already looked there two or three times. Oh, yeah. It cannot be there. I looked at it. I just looked at that shelf. And now the thing that I was looking for is on that shelf. Yep. 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 And it began happening and happening. And it's happening on a daily basis. Oh, man. And it, you would understand this. Okay. A lot of the world would not understand this. So I could share this. One of the things that kept disappearing was the pepper, the black pepper that you use in cooking. Mm-hmm. Okay, very mundane object. I got so tired of the disappearing black pepper that I was keeping it in the lockbox. Okay, I had a lockbox. No, I do understand. So you went medieval on it. <laughs> yes, I had a lockbox where I kept guns, the nail clippers, uh, scissors, because <laughs> those were other... Those those <laughs> objects were disappearing, but th- those were just people using them and not putting them back properly. That's why I'm laughing so hard. Yes. And then the black pepper. So I know where the black pepper. Nail clippers is. and scissors will start fights in my house. Yes, they. So but that I think is usually mundane. Just people get done with them yeah, and don't oh, yeah, return yeah. them. Yes, totally, totally. Yes. People just wander off with yes. stuff. Yes. So I had those things locked up, and I had to lock up the black pepper, and <laughs> you know because it was disappearing. And then it was reappearing in a place that, no, I was looking right at that. How it was like five seconds ago, that was not there, you know? And it sounds like a joke with some of the stuff, like the remote and car keys and stuff, but I had to follow a very rigid protocol that keys go here every single time. My wallet Mm. goes here every single time or else we'll never see them again. Well, we'll see him again when somebody else decides it's time to give him back. Yeah. Yeah. And objects were disappearing so frequently that, and I have never been a person to contact spirits or entities or anything like that. And I just, probably because I grew up so scared of that stuff. And just, I don't try to make that kind of contact. But in this case, I came up with a very simple ritual where I would, in the third person, say out loud, but in another room where not everybody has to hear me, um, it'd be really great if I could have this back. I, it would be really wonderful. I'd really appreciate it if whatever the item is could be returned. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would say that, and seconds later it would be back. Mm-hmm. 
I've been looking for an hour. And I said that little thing and there it is. Yep. And I'm like, how can that happen? And it happened dozens of times, many times, you know, Mm -hmm. it happened scores of times over and over. And eventually it kind of started to freak me out to the point where, you know, I really didn't want this to keep happening, you know. Um, yeah. The probably high light, if you want to call it that, was where my wife has a wedding ring and an engagement ring. And she has to take them off sometimes because of a health condition where her hands swell. And so she took them off. We know where she put them. They were still there. But the diamond was taken out of the engagement ring. Oh, my God. And I did my little ritual. And like the next day, I recall, the diamond was in our sheets. Oh, my God. Which there is no scenario that makes any sense that some person in the house took that diamond out of the ring to start with. You'd need like tools and then returned it in our bedclothes. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. And that, I don't recall any of them happening after that, but not long thereafter, we did move. And so far there has been no more of that activity. Um, I don't know where I'd want to go with that, but that is something that happened. Yeah. And it just was something that I could never prove to anybody. You know, if I had, there's no way I could prove that, but it totally happened. I have zero doubt in my mind that. No, I, I completely believe you. I've, I've had that happen. Um, I've had people tell me about that. It, it's a thing. I, you know, I, I know that it's a thing. It happens to people fairly frequently. And I always made sure the second part of the ritual, I always made sure to give thanks yes. for getting the stuff back. Yes. Um, and again, I never felt a viciousness to it. No. I never felt a, you know, somebody trying to screw with us. I didn't get that. What I kind of got, and that shook me a little bit, was I almost felt like somebody was trying to communicate with me. Mm-hmm. And if I'd been more willing to, I don't know, leave a pile of Scrabble letters out or something, maybe it would have communicated more, but I felt very uneasy about doing that, especially without having a clue of what I'm doing. You know, I am not versed in the traditions and stuff and I didn't really want to wing it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. (sighs) Things like, like that, that are in your house, Unless you are used to it and it's 
mostly been, um, you know, harmless. I, I'm not a big fan of poking at it and trying to figure out what's going on. Um, like leaving Scrabble letters out for it to rearrange. I might do that outside, you know, but I, I don't want to do that in the home. It's, it's like, um, you know, I might do Ouija with somebody else and do all of the, the ritual aspects that you do to, you know, make a protective circle and all of that. But I wouldn't want to do that in my house because to me, that's just inviting um, too much contact in the house where I live, where I sleep where my kid lives, where my kid sleeps. So, yeah, I, I can completely understand that even if it is trying to communicate with you, that, you know, you didn't open that door. Yeah. I kind of look at, this is just my two cents, but I kind of look at the entire non-incarnate, Okay, everything that's a personality, but not a human like you and I. Right. I look at it, well, just treat them like you would humans. Like if they're regular people, you wouldn't just pick somebody up who's hitchhiking and say, hey, buddy, why don't you come to my house? Hang out. <laughs> because there's yeah. some bad people in the world. You know? Yeah. You wouldn't yeah. go to a bar you've never been to before and then just you know, lower all of your guards. No, you'd be kind of cautious and figure out what you're getting into. And, you know, we, right. if somebody comes to your door, you don't just, you know, throw it open. You ask questions and kind of prepare yourself and figure out what's going on. Because, well, I don't believe at all. I'm not one of these people, I'm far from it, who believes that everything's a demon. Everything, right. it's a demon, you know, and that's the most boring, to be <laughs> blunt, dumb um, philosophy I've, I've heard, but it's common. Yeah. I follow a couple of Facebook groups I don't agree with just to hear what they're saying, and everything's a demon. Bigfoot's a demon, oh, yeah. elves are yeah. demons, fairies are demons, yep. ghosts are demons, yep. and yep. it's like, why don't you just stamp, it's a demon. Demons are demons. And, and yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if that's your answer to everything, really, is it? No. I, I think there's a much, much, well, I'm not even really a demon-believing person, but I, I think there's bad stuff out there. I know that. Mm -hmm. But it's a much broader spectrum. Probably kind of mm -hmm. like there's people. Yeah. You know, there's good people, and there's serial killers, you know, <laughs> and they're don't. And then have... most people are in the middle. You know? Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. That's kind of the way I see it, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's I didn't take that any further, and I don't regret that. Um, I'll, Like you said, I'll, I'll go out and experience weird stuff before I bring weird stuff home. That's, that's not, no, that's, yeah. That's reasonable. You know. That's absolutely reasonable. Yes. I, I, I think that's... That's a good, safe way to be. I have a...
question for you. Sure. Um, are we okay on time? Uh, we're at about two hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who knows me know I have no problem filling up time with the sound of my voice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, hey, that's gut level. That's why I got into podcasting. Because, you know, I just need to talk and talk and talk. <laughs> and yes. Uh, and hopefully in a in a format where people might find it entertaining instead of, oh, God, this crap again. But yes. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, we can go a little bit longer, but I, I try not to go too much past two hours. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Just just because I don't want people to, to you know, have to cut the episodes apart to oh. listen apart and, you know. I got you. So I will try to wrap this up. I only have one other topic. Okay. Um, um, have you ever heard of the Mandela effect? Yes. Okay. I don't like the name because I don't really think it happened to, to Mandela. Right. But because I don't think it happens to big, important political things. But I have like incorrect memories that could not have happened. And I think a lot of people do. And I first became aware of this because I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, uh, Donnie Brasco. Um, I haven't seen it, but I know, I know of it. Yes. Uh, Johnny Depp plays an FBI agent who infiltrates the mafia. And there's a very specific scene in that movie that's not in The Godfather or Goodfellas or Casino or any other movie similar. And it takes place in a Chinese restaurant. And Johnny Depp is has a, is wearing a wire and it's in his cowboy boot. And the maitre d' tells him everybody has to take your shoes off to go to this Japanese restaurant and he creates a big scene and essentially commits a hate crime in to get out of taking his boots off. So they won't mm -hmm. see the wire. It's a really super specific scene. This isn't in some other movie. This is right. This movie, Donnie Brasco. Okay. I clearly remember watching that movie in 91 or 92 with a friend of mine in the Marines in California and commenting on, God, he was really harsh with that Japanese guy. And my friend saying, well, he had to be, or they're going to kill him. And like, we discussed it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I also remember watching that movie with a different friend at a different base in 1994. And that specific movie. Well, the problem is Donnie Brasco didn't come out till 1997. Oh, so I could not have, I could not have had those experiences, but I remember them as, as surely as anything else that happened. And you know, how did that? And when I first realized that, I was like freaked out, and I started looking into it, and there was a whole world of people who remembered stuff that couldn't possibly have happened. And this is a common one, but. I never got any like explanation for the Donnie Brasco thing. I don't know. I mean, either my memory shot or 
some other world, or I don't know what the hell happened. But um, I also remember, and I, I don't know if you remember this, I had to memorize the word dilemma as a vocabulary word in school. Mm-hmm. And it was a tricky word because it had a silent N. It was spelled D-I-L-E-M-N-A. And I remember having to memorize that silent N. Well, in today's world that we live in, there is no silent N. It's D-I-L-E-M-M-A. Problem is, there's like millions of people. There's websites on this stuff that, that remember, no, there's a silent N. But there's no documentation anywhere that there's ever an N in Dilemma. See, I'm one of the people who doesn't remember there being an N. Okay. But I also have dyslexia, and Um, I can't spell out loud to save my life. I have to write a word down and look at it. And sometimes it just looks wrong, even if I'm spelling it correctly. So... uh spelling things and me i'm yeah whatever Uh but i spell really well if i'm like typing Hmm. so i don't know Uh it's just and okay then i guess do you remember the berenstein bears oh yes that one bugs me yes you know what i'm talking about right yeah yeah that one bugs me yeah i swear it was never stain i i I do too (laughs) and i grew up reading all those books and seeing all those specials on TV and even getting the books for my own kids when they were little, but when they're adults now and now it's staying, it's, it's staying and that's what it is. But I'm like, I'm I'm sure that's not the case, (laughs) but yeah, that happens to me too. Yeah. Then have you, have you ever heard of a movie when I say Sinbad, you know the comedian actor I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the thing about, um, yeah, him as a gin. Yes. A yes. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I never saw that movie. But I my, never did either. My wife but did. I, oh, see. And she's from Benton Harbor, Michigan, where Sinbad is from. He's like the only celebrity to ever come out of there. And so she's like really sure. Oh, no, I saw. I totally saw that movie. And I'm like, that's weird. Eh. Have you ever seen the movie Dark City? Oh, yes, absolutely. See, that's what's going on. <laughs> that's exactly what it feels like. Yes, that is. We're, we're actually, you know, our, our memory, our memory gets changed every time we go to sleep because these <laughs> little alien weirdos and overcoats and hats come and like inject us with crap. <laughs> and that's why they said, hey, we got to get out of here. She's awake. That's what it is. They're only there we powerful go. when you're We've asleep. We've explained guys. everything. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that movie. I oh, yes. That movie. That's an all-time classic. Came out the same year as The Matrix. Tells basically the same story as The Matrix and is so much cooler. Oh, yeah. And creepier <laughs> and more amazing. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Well, I won't get started on the phenomenon of twin movies, that there's always two movies that come out like that. And this goes back, it goes back to the days of black and whites and back to the days of silent pictures. Yeah. I I didn't like research that myself. Somebody else did, but it was like, wow. I knew it was a thing when Storm Chasers came out, 
and another movie about storm chasers came out that same year, and I had never heard yeah. of storm chaser in my life. You know, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I am probably kind of wearing out the two hour limit here. Yeah, um, you are, but that, that's all right. I won't. I won't get too uh, contracted about it. Um, but you do need to tell people where to find you and what the name of your podcast is and what the name of your where you are on um, uh, your blog. Oh, yes. What all that all is. Yes, thank you. Um, I have started a podcast. And if you like what we're talking about, uh, you'll probably be interested in this. It's called The Weird Part with Vincent Trewell. And it's on Vincent Trewell at wordpress.com. It also... All episodes can be found on my YouTube channel. Go on YouTube and search for Vincent Trewell with the quotation marks around my name or you'll never find it. But episodes will come up. And I have a Patreon as Vincent Trewell Patreon that is, it's a free Patreon. I'm not charging anybody money yet because I don't. I say yet, but I only have seven episodes out, and I'm not charging for that. Maybe after I get 100 out or something. But, yes, you can find um, new material from me there. I dropped one today. And I am on Facebook and Instagram. And I think that's about it. Hey, thank you very much for having me, Barbara, by the way. Oh, thank you for coming. It's, it's great. What kind of topics have you covered in your seven episodes? I have covered, um, let's see, Men in Black. Oh, see? <laughs> awesome. There and, we are. Dark City, Men in Black. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I try to cover a wide range of paranormal, uh, also weird cult beliefs. And nice. I dropped one today that's true crime, but it's I only do true crime if it's unsolved. Or if it's really weird. And this mm -hmm. was kind of both. So, yeah. Nice. So, thank you. Well, thank you for, for coming and, and sharing your non-experiences. Because you're not an experiencer. <laughs> that, that we're not experienced or something. Um, <laughs> because um, I really do think you're, you're a case where... Josh Kutchin is like, everybody has these experiences. It's just not everybody recognizes them. I think you finally recognized it. I'd say that's true. I'd totally say that's true. It's like one of those towns where, oh, nothing ever happens around here. And you really dig yeah. into the history and, oh, yeah, everything yeah. happens here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think that's true of every small town. Nothing happens except everything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.